and welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. Ford, one of my favorite subjects today, relational. Love that word, relational. Thank you for inventing it. Well, it, it's a, it, it actually is kind of a fun word because it's a combination, as you know, of two words, one being relational and one being transactional. You know, Ford, when I first went through the transformational leadership training, this particular tool or learning about myself, uh, man, it you do some self-evaluation when you go through, you know, transformational leadership. It's funny when I look at my manual from 2015, that seems like 50 years ago, <laughs> really? but it was only six years ago. Yeah. But what I thought I was and what people saw me as, and then as you and I developed our relationship, we were able to dive into it a little more. You know, I thought I was very relational, but because I was in sales and I was so transaction driven, my relational skill set was really uh, a front, if you will, to get to the transaction. It wasn't real. It wasn't authentic. I'm not saying 100% of the time, but in my work, I found it to be uh, unauthentic, um, not real. And of course, I'm saying this now openly, but what a time it was when that light switch gets turned on, when you realize the difference, dive into the two, uh, and and now uh, zooming, boy, you got to reuse that word now in 2021, but now really uh, at the speed of light, getting to that relational place. Yeah, it is interesting how people that can use the relational part of their lives for the sole purpose of getting something out of someone else. But true relationship means it's it's the sole purpose of doing something for someone else. And so highly relational people, I mean, that's their natural bent. That's who they were created. That's who they were born to be. You know, the, no, the most important part of their life is being able to be around other people, you know, spending time with people, making that important. Well, can you imagine what this pandemic and all this has done to highly relational people? Because so much of that has impacted their very being. But your transition was from I'm relational, not off, not every time. I, I knew you. It wasn't every time. But often your relational piece was to make the sale. It wasn't necessarily really about because it was beneficial to the other person. And as I've watched you transition, I now see you be a person that when you're selling something, often there's nothing for you in it. There is no financial gain. There is no personal gain. There's no agenda that you're selling it because you know it's important for the other person to receive it. And so when you walk in that posture, whatever you're selling, if it brings value, there's nothing wrong with making money from it. But if it really is more about bringing value to the other person, that makes that relational piece of who you are authentic, genuine, and real. Ford, your book, which is amazing, and I encourage uh, all of our podcast listeners to go to FordTaylorTalks.com, grab the book offline. It's available uh, in many different places. Ford, if you had to rewrite relational leadership, would I mean, how, how would the first chapter differ now, being in this pandemic, knowing that we can't be around each other, knowing that we can't have the relationships physically that we used to, would anything change in that book? 
Well, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about the subtitle of the book and we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think I would change the subtitle. Uh, you know, right now it says when relationships and, you know, transaction collide. So when those two collide, it's the subtitle. I think I would change it to it's it's not just the what of leadership. You know, I think I'd change it to something like it's not just the what, it's the how, who, when, where, and why. You know, why that relational is so important. Because now that that very word itself has so much more meaning after the pandemic than it did before. Why? Because we know that highly transactional people, that the most important part of their day is getting the task completed, getting the work done. And we know that relational people, the most important part of their day is being able to be with other people, being in relationship. And we know that they drive each other crazy. We've talked about that before. Well, think about how much more crazy we might be driving each other when we can't even be in the room together. When, when someone gets on the phone or the Zoom that's highly transactional and they don't do any relationship time before they dive into the transaction. Now think of someone who is leading the meeting who's highly relational and they spend 45 minutes of the hour only doing relationship stuff and they only leave 15 minutes for transaction. So think about even now how much more important it is with our time to be able to do that combination. Think how much more important it is for relational people to understand that it's hard for transactional people to focus on relationship unless the transaction is completed. If the tasks are done, it's not that they're not relational. Well, some aren't, but most, it's not that they don't care about relationship. It's just important that the task is done before they focus on the relationship. Relational people, it's hard to focus on the transaction. It's hard to focus on the task unless the relationship is good. So I probably would change the front cover, and I probably would start the book off with explaining that concept better as opposed to a story of how all these tools work together to build up to why this relational is so important. So, yeah, the first chapter would probably be a deep explanation of getting people to understand why these two personality types drive each other crazy and the importance now of even more understanding that because we can't even be in the room together. Ford, I think it would be, <laughs> it's kind of a given. The transactional people, for the most part, the ones that I've talked to and the ones I work with and interact with on a daily basis, they're okay with working remote and working via Zoom. Uh, they seem to be having a little easier time of it. Um, they like it. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to see me and get hugged and, and fist bumped and me asking about their day, their weekend, their family, uh, the game. Uh, have you experienced that as well? Oh, PW, I have one very close to me. It has said to me, I was made for a time like this. I mean, I was born for this. And so, and I'm excited for those people. Okay. But I would also say to those people, 100%, I would say, yeah, you are. You were born for a time like this. But so was I. And so let's realize that absolutely that transactional piece, it's even more critical now than it's ever been. Let's also realize that relational piece is more critical now than it's ever been. In other words, we can't run down the hall and, 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 and straighten out that 
that little conversation of being sure we have clarity. You know, when we're in a room together, we can do those kinds of things. We can't do that now. You know, do we? So we have to be so much more careful. But yes, you know, I've heard people say, "I was this, I was born for this time," and so I love that thinking process. I just want them both to see that both were born for this time. But absolutely, yeah, transactional people—they're loving the fact that we don't have to spend as much time on relationship, and relational people are begging for more. Now, Ford, we don't want to leave the relational folks out of the conversation. Again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I have clients, friends, and family members who are business as usual, wearing a mask, respecting the rules, but not locking themselves in their home or inside their business. We don't want to leave this group of people out, but I feel like when you put the relational people on Zoom, I had to really adjust my mindset about having meetings online. I have to turn my phone off. I have to get rid of the distraction because being relational, I want to look in their eyes, try to, you know, read their body language or their facial expressions the best I can. Your experience as as a coach, as an author, as a teacher, uh, can you give us relational folks a couple tips on how you've been able to 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 um, to maintain that relational spirit. I mean, talk to us relational folks for a minute. Okay. Well, you've said relational a couple of times, and I think you might have meant relational. Okay. okay. And so, how do we leaders <clears throat> be relational on these zooms if we're relational? If that's our natural bent, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we write down how much time do we have for this call. Okay. And, and, we, and we make a list because that's not what we do. And we say, okay, I'm going to spend five minutes in what we call the wah, the welcome and the asking questions. I'm going to spend five minutes here because I know that there are people on this call that need that time. Okay. And if it goes over to seven, I'm going to be okay with it. In other words, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shut down the relational people, but I am going to give them some warning that we're about to move into the agenda. And so when we get into the, you know, we call it the waddle model. And so when we get into the D, the discussion, that's where most of the transaction take place. And I'm going to emphatically try to say, I'm going to say it, that this is how much time we're going to spend in this piece. And we're going to do this, this, and this. So I'm going to lay out the meeting so the relational and the transactional people can better understand that we're doing both. And then the E, which is the empower, and the L is the launch. We're going to bring it back to combining the transaction with the relationship. So everybody's going to leave the call knowing what we're going to do. We're going to do some encouraging words. A lot of people, they pray at the end of the meeting. So we're going to launch them with a word of encouragement, uh, with some empowerment. Who's going to do what? A story, a poem, a song, but something that brings the relationship back in. So we're basically going to take the transaction sandwich, if you will, and we're going to sandwich it in between the two relational components. And when we're intentional, you know, PW, I was asked last year if I would lead a group and I would prefer to call it facilitation because it really is leaders of leaders. And so I would rather, I would prefer to say I'm really facilitating this group more than leading this group because there are 20 people in the room and pretty much any of them are the kind of leader that could facilitate this group. And, and the very first time we met was on zoom. Okay. And the, when the whole 20 met on the first Zoom call, 
the, the people that nationally that put this vision together, it's called the Great Awakening Project, about how might we be able to, to see America be able to overcome a lot of the things we were going through. Okay, so it, it doesn't matter right now. We might talk about that more later, maybe even bring some of those people on for the podcast. But, but the people kind of at the national office, if you will, were on our Zoom call with us. And after it was over, they called me and said, wow, we need to do whatever you just did in all the different groups that we've put together. Because they had not seen a group come together quickly like that. And, and the reason that most people don't see people come together quickly is because they, they don't realize that on that Zoom, are a lot of highly transactional people and a lot of highly relational people. And we have to serve both of them, whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face. We have to give them both their needs being service. And when you talk about it and you laugh about it, and the highly transactional people are actually laughing with you on the Zoom, knowing they're uncomfortable during the relationship time, and the transactional people can go, man, can we hurry up and get through this? You know, when you can say those things, you're actually being relaxing because people are actually saying, I get it, but it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable, but they get it. So it has to be very intentional. Ford, when you're facilitating via Zoom or leading a meeting or just having a team huddle, if you will, I know that you're really an expert in a live meeting at allowing the internal processors to to have their time to feel like they have a seat at the table to um, joyfully interact with the external processors. You just set it up that way where everyone feels like they're allowed to give feedback. How is that differed for you via Zoom? Because I know you're reading the room live. You're reading body language. You know people and you're you're watching the room. I mean, how, how are you able to pull that off via Zoom? Okay. Well, there's no question. It's a little bit more difficult. And I, I, I can't when I'm on my phone. I, I, I really could. I can only see one person talking. So one of the things I try when I'm facilitating the meeting, one of the things I try to be sure of is that I'm not on my phone. Okay. If I'm on somebody else's Zoom, I don't worry about it as much. But so I try to be sure that I'm on a computer where I can see all the faces. Uh, recently, I started moving because of your question now, even though I've not been asked the question before, I've gone upstairs on the big screen television and I've hooked my computer into that. Why? Because I can see a lot bigger faces. I can see a lot more facial expressions. Uh, My wife has even encouraged me, which I'm going to do, is to get a much bigger screen that I can plug my computer into on a table where I can see people a lot better because their, their facial expression and their tone of voice speaks volumes alongside their words. And so when we can see that, then we can see that the internal processor, if we're really paying attention, is processing. See, when I'm sitting in a room, I can tell who's internal and who's external. Well, on Zoom, if I can see that they're an internal processor, okay, I want to give them time to process. And then I may even come back and say, okay, guys, all you internal processors, Okay, we're going to move on in about 10 seconds. I'll say it. And so if you have something you want to add, please, even if you're not finished, add what you have right now. 
And so it's a very intentional thing. I'll tell the external processors, hey, could we all just be quiet for a minute? If you notice, I said we, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm like external on steroids. Yeah. I mean, I like for us to, for, you know, when I can get in a room with three or four other external processors, I'm like, let's finish each other's sentences on purpose. You know, let's just keep going until we get to the best solution. Well, when I'm with internal processors, I have to be so very careful that I don't push them to come up with an answer before they're ready. So on Zoom, I got to have bigger faces so I can read their facial expression because I don't have the whole body language. I can't see the leg cross. I can't see the arms cross. I can't see the frustration from the neck down, but I can see it if the picture's big enough. And so it's a very intentional thing. You know, knowing Ford that this relational state of mind is really the perfect harmony between the transactional folks and the relational folks. Moving forward, what do you say to the organizational leader? What do you say to the coach? What do you say to the CEO who's now thinking, hey, I can save money. Let's just shut the office down. Let's just work remote. We don't really need to be around each other. What do you say to those groups thinking about that uh, moving into Q1, Q2, 2021? Well, as you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching CEOs or business people or government leaders, it doesn't matter. I, I normally start with a question uh, to try to get them to challenge their own thinking. And then if they get stuck, I usually will tell them a story, typically of one of my failures, you know, somewhere in the past where when I didn't challenge my thinking or whatever, how it ended up hurting me because I didn't really take other people's feedback. So I'll normally start there. And so on this particular subject, I might just ask the question, have you looked into the potential long-term ramifications of this decision? In other words, I'm not telling you wrong. It's just a question. So as you're processing through all the money that we're going to save by not being in the office, have we looked at the long-term implications of that? Have you looked at the people who are highly relational? Are they some of your higher performers? Are you willing the potential of losing those people in your organization to an organization who might make a different decision? I'm not telling you you'll lose them. So I'm just saying we're doing this very quickly. This would take a longer time. Sure. In a, in a meeting, but are you are you looking at that possibility? Are you willing to lose that person to someone who's making a different decision? And I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm not saying here's your answer. I'm just challenging them to say, you know, take a longer term look at this and see is this really what you want to do? Uh, again, introverts, people who get their energy being alone, that are also internal processors. Okay, is it possible for them to work remotely where they thrive in that environment and still have a a process where people who are more extrovert, more external processors, more relational? Would it be possible? Again, these are just questions that you have an environment that's set up where they can still. So maybe you don't shut the whole office down. Maybe you shut down 30 percent of it or 50 percent. So these are just challenging questions to ask. You know, what is the long term ramification? of making a short-term manager. So Ford Taylor Inc. (laughs) No such thing. (laughs) You've got um, different entities that you are a part of. 
you're the CEO. Now you have to give yourself that advice. What do you say to yourself, knowing what you know, knowing what you believe as a leader? What do you say to you? Well, here's the really good thing is I've kind of taken myself out of the CEO of any of those places. So I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> so now I can just be the challenger that way. Hey, if you, I challenge you and you came with a bad answer, that's on you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and, and so what we do in the organizations that I'm more a closely investor, you know, even in our own organization, I'm called the founder. We have a, a wonderful CEO, a wonderful CFO, uh, but they've actually asked me to host our team meetings since we've gone into this pandemic and so we meet every other week and there so there are times i just tell our team this whole meeting is about relationship that's it so come to the meeting if you don't want to be on the call you don't have to be but we're just going to focus on being sure everybody's okay questions answers now we may get into some transactions but there's no agenda around the transaction this is just about being sure everybody out there is okay and there's other times that we say this week, boom, 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 boom. Here's what we're doing. Now, clearly on those, I work with the CEO and the CFO. We put those agendas together. But this even lets our team, because they're international, and you know, even because of our team was already operating this way a little bit before the pandemic, because we don't, we've not had an office where everybody meets together. So we were already kind of having to operate. We just had to be way more intentional now. And so we go back and forth. We may have a whole meeting that's strictly about relationship and another one that's five minutes relationship, an hour and 20 minutes of transaction and five more minutes relationship, which is the relaxation. one. So we go back and forth. That's the advice I give myself. Ford, from a leadership standpoint and by pure definition, we're all leaders if we have influence over one or more folks. Ford, striving to become relational, how does that play what what role does being relational play in our ability to love influence and transform yeah that's a great question so uh, let's take marriage for example let's just do that one i know we've talked more about business today but this works in business it works for a classroom school teacher it works for a a sports coach It it works for a government leader okay and so if i live on one end of that continuum and my spouse lives on the other end. And it doesn't mean we live on the tip of the spear, but one of us is naturally bent one way and one's naturally bent the other. So that could be management in a company. That could be two athletes on a sports team. It should be a coach. But what does it look like to get lit when I'm on one end of the spectrum and someone else is on the other? You ready? I love you enough to honor you on your end of the spectrum. Thank you for bringing the transaction to the table because you can do things that I'm not as good at. So I honor, that's what love is. I'm going to honor the other end. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to fight with it. I'm going to honor it. That's what love is. And what happens is when we love that way, it gives us influence. You know, we talk about leadership being about influence and there's four levels. There's one who we influence up, one who we influence across, we influence down, and influence with ourselves. Now, you know, for me, I think there's a fifth level, and that's our influence with God. Okay, but the more influence we have on ourselves of being loving, the more influence we have. And from that, the more we can be a part of seeing ourselves transform, our marriages transform, our families, our business, our classrooms, our sports team. So what does it look like? Being relational, 
because we all have a natural bent, and normally that's our default. You know, when stress comes, we normally, even relational, we default to our natural bent. But in that default, wherever our natural bent is, love means I'm honoring the people who default the other way. I'm making that important also, not just my needs. And that's where influence comes, and that's where transformation comes. So I continue to say, let's get lit. Let's continue, no matter what tool we're talking about, no matter if it's a pandemic, no matter whether the company's completely divided right down the middle politically, that if we can grow leaders who truly can love, their influence will grow up. And as it grows up, you notice I didn't say go up, and when it grows up, they have the ability to, to be the changers, the influencers. And those people, they make the decision. We want to be part of the solution. We don't want to join in being part of the problem. So PW, let's get lit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com.